Welcome to the Inspiration Accelerator, hosted by Michael Sonberg, founder and CEO of Rebel Culture and Skyrocket Education. Each week, we'll talk to a different, inspiring person in the world of leadership, personal development, career, family, fitness, and beyond. Buckle up for the Inspiration Accelerator. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Inspiration Accelerator. I'm Michael Sonberg. Thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to be here with our incredible guest for today. Her name is Whitney McDuff, and I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to introduce her, and then we're going to talk to her in a bit. But before we do, I just want to get started with something, uh, same way we always get started, with something inspiring that I've either learned or experienced or read or whatever since uh, the last time we were together. Uh, and this one, this one goes back to a little bit before the last time. We were together, but but if you listen to our last episode, you knew that I, uh, you know that I ran the Philadelphia Marathon, um, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and it was incredibly hard. I wasn't as, as well trained as I probably should have been, and I'm not really a runner. I just decided to do the hardest possible thing I could think of, and so I did that. And at about mile, uh, at about mile 18, uh, the pain was unbearable. Pain in my in my feet. And in my legs and in the middle of my back, the pain f- felt unbearable. I don't want to exaggerate. It wasn't unbearable because I finished, but it felt like it was. And I had this realization at that point, And I said this to myself, and I think this is important for everybody listening, whether you're a, a runner or an athlete or, or not, just somebody who's just living their life, uh, business person, parent, you know, um, employee, whatever it is. I said to myself, I said, Make no mistake, this is going to hurt. And it was this, I felt this incredible freedom on the other side of that. Because I think if you all are like me, you're like, I try to avoid pain. Uh, and I do some pretty crazy physical physical things. But for the most part, I, I try to avoid pain. I think like a lot of us, right? My knee starts to hurt and I, I stop working out, right? I, you know, um, you know, my, my, my son, Teddy, with, with autism, he starts to pinch me in the arm. It starts to hurt. I, I ask him to stop, right? Um, and there's multiple reasons to ask him to stop. But I feel like as a human, I am I am avoiding, uh, I avoid pain. And I, I think that that's normal. I think many of us do that. But it was a really cool realization to say, um, this is going to hurt. Make no mistake about that. And to just shrug my shoulders about it. Uh, and to say, like, this, that's fine. That's a fine aspect of this. And I, I think for me, I've thought about that since then as it pertains to my different businesses uh, and the people we coach and and what we're trying to accomplish and even just like life in general, right? Like there are going to be times when you, when you fuck up, uh, times when it, it goes really badly. Like that's not something to be avoided. That's not a bad thing. That's actually part of the, part of the process. So um, make no mistake, this is going to hurt. That's my inspiration for the week. <laughs> I hope it's not too dark. I'm going to ask our uh, guest what she thinks about that. Uh, friends, thrilled to uh, welcome uh, a, a person to our our, uh, our podcast who is, uh, first of all, a huge personality and an absolute rock star. Uh, she's more formally, she's a publicist. She's a best-selling author. She's a kick-ass mom and partner. Uh, you got to hear what she bought her husband for his birthday uh, over the weekend. 
Uh, and so it's my pleasure to welcome Whitney McDuff to the Inspiration Accelerator. Whitney, thanks for being here. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so pumped to be here. I always love talking about badass things with badass people. So thanks for having me. <laughs> Whitney, thank you. Is the, Was my uh, reflection, was it too dark? Was it too depressing? Or no, you, I it think it's sense? perfect. So I think All it's right. perfect. And it's so true, right? Like, the mental shift that happens when you just accept that something is not going to be pleasant, I'm sure was very freeing for you. Yeah, it really was. It was a total mindset uh, pivot. And it just, I was just like, basically shrugged my shoulders. Like, yeah, got it. Um, This is going to hurt. That's okay. Uh, It's, it's in service of something different and bigger and that's, and that's all right. So um Whitney, before we uh, before we start, you have to mm-hmm. tell us. You have to tell our audience. Now, you live in South Carolina, yes. and uh, you bought your husband a gift that's specific to, I guess, your area. This has nothing to do with South Carolina specifically, but where you live. Tell our tell our our, our, our listeners what you bought for your husband uh, for his well, birthday. Well, folks, I won the coolest wife award this weekend. I got my husband a golf cart. So he's just been jetting around with that. I have two small children, a five-year-old and a three-year-old, and they are absolutely loving it. I am like above reproach at this point because I'm like, remember that time I bought you the golf cart? I'm going to use that for a solid three years to get out of anything. So, but just, so just to be clear, this is, a ball, super this is excited to celebrate a, him. Yeah, yeah. But this is not just a gift for golfing. He, according to you, he's uh, ripping it around the neighborhood, correct? Oh, yeah. like. He has left the car in the garage. He's loving just driving around, going to see the neighbors, going to do all the cool things. That's his new like vehicle of choice. And, you know, the kids are just having the time of their lives on the back of that thing. So very good purchase. I'm very excited for him and for me, too. (laughs) That's one of my uh, one of my uh, life goals is I don't think you're allowed to. I brought up where you live because it's it's you all are obviously allowed to do this. So I don't think that golf carts are street legal where I live. And I think that if I was driving one around, the police would be here and in, uh, in no time. But that's <laughs> something I have to I have to uh, look into because it is one of my dreams to like show up at the bar in a golf cart uh, and just, you know, hang out and then just rip around and pick people up and it'd be cool. I love it. Yes, it's been the the coolest way to get around these days. So very excited about that. Well, Whitney, I'm excited for you to be on. I know you you work with so many different people, business people, and artists and speakers. Tell tell our folks what what uh what do you do and um and how'd you get into it? Sure. So I am in PR, but I work very specifically with speakers. So my role is to get people visible, credible, and profitable through public speaking and PR. I absolutely love my job. I get to meet the coolest people. I hear these amazing stories. And it really, I make a joke all the time that I should be paying my clients because Mm. these people are just experts in their fields and I am constantly learning from them. I work with everyone from cruise directors to leadership experts to former presidential candidates, like the whole gamut. And the things that I have learned are just so incredible. I love personal development. Everyone that I work with uh, seems to have just really great routines and these mindsets that are so fascinating and 
I, I just, I feel like I learn from them as much as they learn from me. And it's really just a joy to be able to help get people's stories into the world. I fundamentally believe that if you have a story or a skill set that can change someone's life, I think it's our obligation to share that thing. And so to be able to have the gift to help people do that is really just the joy of my life. Um, I got into it. This interesting. Um, you'll appreciate this as the founder of Rebel Culture, but I was doing PR for public speakers and it was, it was the first time in my life that the light bulb ever went off, you know, where you're just like, oh, wow, like I'm really good at this. I love what I do. My clients love me. Great, great, great. But I was working for an incredibly toxic leader and um, mm. it was just a constant source of stress in my life. And I found out that I was pregnant and I resigned the next day. It was, Oof. it's one thing to put myself under that kind of stress and anxiety. And it was quite another to go through that with a baby. And um, <clears throat> there had been a law firm that was courting me for about a year. And I went over there and I really loved all of those people that I was working with, but that work was not, it didn't light me up the way that mm. the work that I do now is. And I was devastated to leave that role, but I could not be in that leadership situation anymore. Hold and with me, just to pause you for one second, yeah. because we have a lot of leaders who listen to this show. What were some of the things that the leader did that caused the workplace to be so toxic? I think it all really stemmed from her insecurity. She mm. would pit colleagues against each other. There was mm. a lot of a lot of toxic conversations with coworkers about the other. The expectations were just ridiculous. Um, she didn't understand how to communicate effectively. There were meetings on top of meetings on top of meetings. You know how that goes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yeah, absolutely. it really became a point. I mean, I would come home in tears, which is just not like me. And yeah. my husband, God bless them. He was like, this is not okay. Like you should not be feeling this way. And when I found out I was pregnant, it was just, it was the catalyst I needed. I was like, I'm out, here we go. And um, went to work for the law firm. Absolutely loved those people, but that work was just not, it wasn't what I was meant to be doing. And about six months into that role, um, former clients started calling me and they were like, you're, you're the one, you're the one that we wanted to work with. How do we make this happen? Mm. And I never, ever in my life thought I would be an entrepreneur. Just was not something I'd ever discussed or thought about. And I turned to my husband and I was like, you know, there's something here. Like I miss this work. I love it. I really think I need to go do this. And the boss that I had at the law firm was incredible. Like multi-entrepreneur, um, so supportive. He knew that my heart was in that work and was really, really supportive as I was like building the side hustle. And then the side hustle overtook the law firm income and I had a really great conversation with my direct boss and the CEO. And they, they could not have been better. I mean, they were like, this is what lights you up. Go do that. Like, awesome. They still send me clients to this day. Like I was really, really lucky to be in a good situation with them um, and went on on my own. And it was the biggest bet I've ever taken. And I decided to bet on myself and it worked yeah. out. So, so cool. So inspiring. And I have so many, so many questions to ask uh, as a, as a business owner and as a, as a leader, 
Um, and I, I love that idea of betting on yourself. Um, before we before we get to that, you talked about like the people with whom you work and the inspiration that they give to you. You said sometimes you feel like you should be, you know, you'll jokingly say that I should be paying you all. Mm-hmm. What is what what's your what's your passion? Is it like is it personal development? Is it is it getting uh is it getting uh people uh, into the space who can make a a difference for others? I mean, what is your when you put your head on the pillow at night? I mean, I know publicity is your gig, but what's the thing that you want your legacy to be when it comes to this work? I I love storytelling, so I'm an author as well, but what really lights me up is for people to understand their own power in impacting others. Mm. And I think so often we get caught up in our self-talk or our self-doubt and not knowing the how to make that happen. And so we play small, right? And being able to help people understand just the magic that they bring to other people's lives makes me so happy. Mm. And if I can be any part of someone's journey and helping change people's lives, I'm, I'm in, I'm all in. Like, I love it. I think the people that I work with are brilliant. I, I'm just one of those people that I'm so enthusiastic about who I get to work with because they really are. They're so smart. They're so driven. The the only thing all my clients have in common, because they like totally range industries, they are so driven from within to help genuinely change lives. And being able to be a part of that and helping them see sometimes what they cannot see is just so magical to me. And being able to get them on stage or get them on television or get them in Forbes or whatever it may be, like Mm. it it just lights me up because I know that people's lives are genuinely changed. And I know that you and I are both fans of Jesse Itzler. Yeah. You know, he has that, that great saying that you're one introduction, one opportunity, one idea away from an entirely different life. And I really believe that. And my clients have changed my life. They've helped my mindset grow. Um, and if I can put them to the, the one introduction, the one opportunity, whatever, and help them impact thousands, millions of people, like I'm in, it's, it's so satisfying. So cool. I'm getting goosebumps over here. It's amazing. (laughs) Uh, Whitney, talk about the betting on yourself thing. I know that there are people listening to this right now who, whether it's in their current role and it just means like playing bigger in that current role. Or it means like switching roles entirely and, and, and your journey is interesting. You were doing one thing, you left did something else, you came back to the original thing, but but as your own boss, like what is it, what does it take to bet on yourself? And and what would you say to people right now who are like, Yeah, that sounds good for you. You seem like a rock star who buys golf carts for her husband. Like what like what what's like the part of this show is about like talking to like regular people who yeah. do like extraordinary things. Like how, how do you have the courage to bet on yourself and what should people be thinking when it comes to something like that? Well, I mean, I just want to say that when I took the leap, I mean, it, it was very scary. And yeah. then COVID happened, which let me tell you the first industry that 
goes to hell in a handbasket when you can't be out in public. That's public speaking. So, so yeah, yeah, it was a very scary time. But I think it, it kind of relates to what you were saying about the marathon. Like if you can just accept that you're going to be uncomfortable, there's a freedom that comes in that. Mm. And I had to accept that I'm not going to know everything. It's not going to be perfect. It is totally going to evolve all the time. It still is evolving. And when I sat down and went through like, oh, is this the dumbest thing I'm ever going to do? You're never going to lose if you invest in yourself. So I got really serious about looking within and, you know, David Goggins calls it the accountability mirror, but like, what, how am I in my own way here? And for me, that would always come to self-doubt, sometimes imposter syndrome. And, you know, for people that say, oh, that's easy for you, Wet, you're a rock star, you're extroverted, all this stuff, you're super confident. Here's the real deal. Confidence is not something that you're born with. It is a skill, just like anything else. And it is a skill you can learn. And the way that you become more confident is keeping promises to yourself. So whether that's in like things that you're wanting to do with a physical challenge or something that you're wanting to do with revenue or your relationships, whatever it may be, the more and more you can keep promises to yourself, the more and more confident you're going to become. And people are very attracted to that. People want leadership. They want somebody that like is able to say, I might not have all the answers, but I damn sure will help you get to where we need to be. And we're going to figure it out together. And just sitting down with my husband and understanding like, what is, what is the most important thing? Right. And for me, it's to have all your buckets filled. So to have the space and ability to have amazing relationships, to Mm. be able to do work that brings me joy, to be able to have impact, like those things were all very important to me. And I was not going to get that where I was as much as I love the people, like I had to sit down and say, okay, when you are at the end of your life, do you want to say you did this? Or do you want to take a risk and do that? And it's daily risk, right? I mean, you're always evaluating and risk assessing everything that you do. But for me, I don't think you ever go wrong betting on yourself. And it's just constantly showing up and doing, as they call it, the work. Like, where are my blind spots? What can I be better at here? What am I exceptional at that I need to double, triple down on? And, you know, you figure that out as you go along. And I just had to get comfortable with not not really knowing the map because I didn't, I, I don't have, my friends were not really entrepreneurial. I, you know, my family wasn't entrepreneurial. It was really just mm. showing up every day and being like, how can I do the best today? And doing that day after day after day. And that's that's really it. Oh, wow. I, I love so much of, uh, so much of that, uh, just is really just kind of, you know, jumping off the page at me. I love that idea of you build confidence by keeping promises to yourself. Uh, I've, I've heard something similar that every time you kind of break a promise to yourself, you're, you're, you're sending a message to yourself that I can't be trusted. Uh, mm-hmm. and what a, what a way to, I love you're talking about the inverse, which is like, hey, you build confidence by doing the things you said you were going to do, right? So like if I'm alone at 5 a.m., 
out on the out on the road and I said I was going to run three miles, but I'm exhausted after two. I build confidence when I continue to go and go to that third mile, uh, right. even if nobody sees it and nobody ever knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've 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 built I've, I've begun building confidence there. I've continued to build it. You know, Whitney, I love this thing that you talk about as confidence is a skill. I'll, I'll sometimes get off the stage and people will say things to me like, I, I can't believe you're so comfortable speaking in front of people, or um, I can't believe you're not nervous up there, which is, of course, v- very flattering, but it always cracks me up because uh, I'm terrified. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like um, everybody is. Uh, I don't right. care how often somebody's been on stage. Uh, right before they announce your name, your can't your toes are tingling and your palms are, are sweating. Uh, one of my fears is when somebody comes to shake my hand right before I'm about to go on, and they have to, you know, shake my <laughs> sopping wet hand because I'm terrified. But uh, like yourself, you know. I and, and others are like, hey, no, my the impact I want to have is bigger than the fear that I have of what this is going to mm-hmm. feel like. And I, I think that that's so important for people listening to hear, like, you're not just born confident, right? This is something that you actually get to kind of manufacture and not that it's not authentic, but, you know, you, you, you get victories along the way, you build your knowledge, you build your expertise. Nobody's suggesting that you should go into things woefully underprepared and just pretend that you have it figured out. Right. I guess that could work for some people sometimes, but there are actual ways to build confidence here that that are um, that are things that are, are are learnable skills. I think it's such an important message that you're sending to people. Well, and I think uh, so yeah. much of it comes down to Tony Robbins has this great philosophy that. Truly, the only difference in mediocrity and exceptionalism is your standards. And so mm-hmm. e- everyone feels that fear. Um, the vast majority of public speakers are incredibly introverted behind the scenes, yeah. which uh, most yeah. people don't know. <clears throat> and it's it's doing it anyway. Like, that's the difference. We're all afraid. We're all struggling with am I good enough, smart enough, this, that, and the other, but the people that are exceptional at what they do in this life, they go anyway and they show up for themselves and they show up for other people. But that's, that's really the thing. You got to show up in the dark, right? Like what you were saying, nobody's going to know if you don't run that third mile, but you will. And the energy that, that you bring around people, that confidence comes from what you did in the quiet, in the dark, because you're the person that shows up for yourself and goes literally the extra mile in that example. But that people are so attracted to that because that's what we all want to be, right? We all want to be the type of person who is striving to reach our potential. And the people that set that high standard, it's just showing up for themselves day in and day out in the quiet and on the stage. Yeah, this is great. One of my favorite quotes, and I don't, I don't know who to attribute it to. I, I read it years ago, and it might be, uh, it might be Robin Sharma, but I, I don't want to give it to somebody who who didn't say it. But it goes like this: um, the only difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is that successful people are willing to do the things that unsuccessful people aren't, uh, even though are willing. Hold on are willing to do the things that unsuccessful people aren't, even though they don't want to do them either. Uh, right. And it's just that idea of like, hey, would I rather be hanging out 
with my friends or would I rather be writing my book tonight, right? It's Friday. Mm -hmm. uh, I just worked all week. There's no guaranteed income from this other thing, uh, but they'll do it, um, even though they might not want to, because they're like, I want to do this other thing as well, right? The the extra mile on the on the road, right? The the re the the reading instead of watching Netflix, things like that. Mm -hmm. Even just like apologizing to someone when they when they f up, right? Um, mm -hmm. I think it's such a really speaks a lot to what you're saying. This kind of like, how are you going to show up? And who are you going to be? And then what are other people going to get from that? Right? Right. Exactly. Yeah, I absolutely love that. It's just really, it's getting quiet with yourself. And that's the other thing I think that really great leaders do. They're honest with themselves. Yeah. Like so many of us, we try and throw ourselves into distraction or numbing out or all of these things. But I think really exceptional people are like, okay, what is this hard feeling? How do I work through this? How do I design my day? Like truly hour by hour, like evaluating, how do I design my day to absolutely get the most out of myself and everything that this amazing life has to offer? And mm -hmm. if you're sitting around, you know, scrolling, watching Netflix for four hours a night, like, don't come complain to me. You have all yeah, of this yeah. time to build something or create something, whatever you want to do. But we just get in this habit of distracting and numbing out and doing all those things. And it's like, no, there's so much time. We love to say that we don't have time. And that's not yeah. true. You don't have priorities. Like set your priorities and go for that. And that is what exceptional leaders do. They have a priority list. And they stick to it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I want to I want to pivot here to to some challenges that you've faced. But I, I one of my biggest pet peeves on earth is when somebody says that they don't have time to work out. No, you mm -hmm. are choosing not to work out. Now, maybe you don't have time to get to the 5 p.m. spin class on the other side of town. And I get that, right? That your favorite class. You might not be able to get there, but if you watch 30 minutes of television a day or scroll through your phone for a combined 30 minutes at some point, you have time to work out. A, a guy I used to work with taught me a, a workout that takes literally two, two to three minutes. And at mm -hmm. the end of it, your, your heart's pounding out of your chest. So uh, you're right. It's not about the lack of time. It's about the lack of priorities. Uh, mm -hmm. And to that, to that point, you mentioned uh, when you talked about uh, betting on yourself and, and starting, your, uh, starting your company, that you had moments of imposter syndrome and oh, yeah. kind of this feeling of like, what the heck am I doing here? Talk about some of the challenges that that you face, either when you started your company or even even now. Like, what are some of the uh, what are some of the things on a daily, uh, a weekly, or monthly basis that that come up for you? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> for me, when I started the company, it was all the the usual suspects, right? Like, Oh, I've never run a company. I, I don't mm. know what I'm doing. I, mm. someone else has always done this stuff. Who am I? Who's going to listen to me? Who, what have I yeah. done? Like all of those things. And one of my clients, speaking of million dollar advice here, changed my life. So she's an imposter syndrome expert. She works with fortune 100 CEOs to help them get over imposter syndrome and just, just serve some clarity on what imposter syndrome is for people that are listening. 
it's that feeling that you you don't belong and that your success is not earned. And it is mm. very, very prominent with high achievers, which is weird because you would think that the higher achievers would feel <laughs> secure, but we're, we're always chasing that thing, right? It's always high achieving people that feel it. So she totally changed my life. And speaking of discomfort and trying to avoid it, that was me for a little while, like kind of playing small. I don't belong here. I haven't done this long enough, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And we were having this really open, honest conversation. And she said, Whitney, if you're not constantly feeling imposter syndrome, it's because you're not playing big enough. And that changed my life. Instead of trying to avoid the rooms that I thought I didn't belong in or the things that I thought I wasn't ready for, I now seek that out. And the growth that I've experienced with that mindset change has been astronomical. I mean, my company forexed, like my clientele list just became exceptional. Like it was so wonderful. And it was that simple shift instead of avoiding it. No, if you're not feeling it all the time, you're not playing big enough. You need to be feeling imposter syndrome because the reality is it never goes away. But what makes people wonderful is that they stick it in the passenger seat and they keep driving the car. (laughs) And that, that shift for me was everything. I, uh, this is so, this is so great. I'm, I'm certain there are people listening right now who are driving in their cars or are out for a run or on the exercise bike who are getting really inspired, but also feeling a little bit of discomfort because you're telling folks, you're telling it like it is. And, and I, I think that, you know, we could all benefit from this idea. And it, it feels like it's become a theme of this show, though, maybe unintentionally, but like, You've got to like lean into the the discomfort here. You've got to be okay with with that. I, I heard a speaker recently named uh, Janine Harder. Uh, you might know, know Janine. She's a fitness guru and uh, thought leader, person, personal development uh, expert. And she said uh, to a room of like a hundred people, she said, "When was the last time you failed miserably? Because if it wasn't today, you're not doing it right." And I was mm-hmm. like, "Wow!" Right? I was like. Holy yeah. cow. Right? Just this, it's that same idea of like, you should be, you should never be the smartest person in the room. You should never be, I have the most money in the room. You should never be the most well-educated in the room. If you are, you're in the wrong room. And it right. sounds like that's a lot of what you're talking about here. Like I had to get into different rooms where I was incredibly uncomfortable to almost get through some of this, some of this, uh, uh, some of this like imposter syndrome and, and like kind of lack of self-belief, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's still, I mean, to this day, that feeling still comes up, but I just have the awareness now that that's what it is. It's simply a feeling. And as the company gets larger and as the stakes get higher and all of those things, I now embrace that. I'm like, okay, I'm feeling this way because I'm about to grow and I'm going to get to the other side of this and be so grateful that I jumped on this opportunity. And just having that shift and knowing that I am capable of figuring it out because you're sitting here today, like you're batting a thousand, right? You've gotten through every hard day, every single hard day you've gotten through. Yep. Yep. And 
knowing that I'm going to feel really great about betting on myself again. And it's shifting failure too, as a learning experience, right? Like you're not going to get everything a thousand percent, but I think that's like the universe redirecting you in a different way. So it's really, it's so much about perspective, I think. And that's, that's life, right? The happiest, most fulfilled people, they have just incredible perspectives on what's happening. And, you know, I'm never as good as my biggest achievement and I'm never as bad as my worst failure. Like, so it's just, it's navigating that with the perspective of you are, you're all in, you're all in to learn, you're all in to grow. And that comes with screwing things up and, (laughs) you know, making mistakes and that, that shit happens. That's life. And yeah, being able to embrace that and go forward anyway is how people fast track to not just financial success, but like true fulfillment. You have to try different things and you're probably not going to be good at all of them to figure out what you are deeply passionate about and what you love and what you're great at. So I love it. It's just a big game of life and we're, we're playing every day. All right, Whitney. So what would a successful 2023 look like for you? I'm thinking holistically here not just mm-hmm. as a business owner and a publicist, but what is your, like, if it's, if it's December 31st, 2023, what will, uh, what will you be able to say to yourself to let you know that it's been a great year? So every year I, I'm a big fan of the Michael Hyatt planner. If you don't have one, check it out. Um, but I set 10 different goals every year all around the board. So physically, spiritually, financially, all the things relationship wise. Um, and I literally break them down by the day, what I have to do to achieve that. So my, my big ones on the list this year are, um, I want to get my third book to the publisher. So I'm a children's book author and got a third book in the works, the giggle burp tales, um, get that in physically. I've got a half marathon on the docket that maybe one day I'll be as cool as you, Michael, and do a whole marathon, but <laughs> we're not there yet. If you would have seen me at mile 22, you would have thought it was <laughs> incredibly uncool as I was struggling and coughing on myself and, you know, but hobbling. I love but, that. All right. All right. So half marathon, what else? Half marathon. Um, I've got a trip to Italy planned that I'm very excited about. So that was always on the docket for this year. Um, so get that, get that done and have that great experience. Um, I really want to take a quarterly trip with my family experiences are really, really important to me. And so setting aside the time aside to be able to do that. And then I've got, um, a business partner that we are growing something called your star speaker experience. And Mm. we just continue to grow that and have a blast. So I've got some, some goals around that as well, but, and then knock out, knock out 50 books, a big reader, love to read. So you're going to, those are just a couple of them. 50 books next year. Really? Yeah. I try to, I try to do a book a week. Um, (laughs) So gotta, gotta get those words in, you know? So that's, I think that's just a good, I love the, uh, the term under indexing. Uh, and I don't know who invented it. I first heard Jesse Itzler say it, but it's around the idea that for a lot of us, we have put a, a, a limit on what we're capable of, mm-hmm. a, a false limit. 
Uh, and so mm-hmm. I read 12 books a year and you read more than four times that. And I thought 12 books was pretty ambitious, but you're reading. 12 more is than great. Four... Listen, most people read like never. None. So, yeah. so... <laughs> no, but I think it's, it's, I think it's good that, you know, part of why I started this podcast is so we could all uh, look at places where we are, where we're under indexing, where we're mm-hmm. saying like, Hey, like I'm not pushing myself hard enough in that area. Uh, you know, you mentioned the trip to Italy and I'm like, I don't have a, I don't have a family vacation on the calendar for next year. And, you know, our situation's a little, you know, with Teddy, it's mm-hmm. planes are hard, but we've talked about renting a, uh, an RV and, and heading down to heading down, not, not too far from where you are in the Carolinas to see some friends and then to go to uh, Florida to see my dad. Like that stuff is, is doable. We just don't have it on the calendar yet. So the, between the 50 books and the, and the, and the reading and all the stuff you're up to, I just know I can just say for myself, like I'm inspired here. So I, I know our, our audiences as well. So thank you for that. That's amazing. Oh yeah. I love that. And you ought to come see me if you come through South Carolina, but I think the real <laughs> trick with that, that I learned through Michael Hyatt, you know, he's just a productivity genius. Yeah, he is. He and is. it was truly breaking down these goals into the daily micro goals that, I started the 50 book thing, I think two years ago. And when you say it, it sounds like just so overwhelming, Yeah. but you know, how do you eat the whale one bite at a time when it's broken down daily? And I'll give you another little trick because you're a runner too. I buy the physical book and I buy the audio book. So when I'm running, I'm listening. And then at night I read. And so that definitely expedites what I can put out. But I learned that from my buddy, Wesley, I was like, how is he reading so much? I love reading. And he taught me that little trick. He, he reads and runs. So I think, uh, I think the, uh, listening to books, I think for reading purists has a little bit of a bad rap. I would encourage those folks to think differently about that. Some of my best, uh, most kind of like some of my deepest learnings have happened while listening to a book mm-hmm. on tape while I've been working out or walking or running or something like that. So I love mm-hmm. that you do that in part um, because I think that's the right move. I think, I think more people should be doing that. Yeah. It's definitely helped me get through more things. Right. And I, I love thinking when I'm out running and it just gives me great stuff to think about. Well, you've given us all lots to think about today. Whitney McDuff, thank you so much for being on the Inspiration Accelerator. You've definitely accelerated my inspiration here today. So thank you so much. Where, where, can, where can people find you? Where can they connect with you? Social media, email, if you, if you want to give that or website, just give us uh, your social. Yeah. We'll, also, we'll also include that in our uh, promotional materials for the show as well. Listen, leaders, this is something I preach to clients all the time. You got to be easy to find. So <laughs> I am very easy to find. I'm Whitney McDuff everywhere. LinkedIn, website, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the whole nine yards. I'm super easy to find. So if you are not consistent with your branding, I very strongly recommend that and be be easy to find online. But yeah, I'd love to connect. Find me on social. Shoot me an email, Whitney at WhitneyMcDuff.com. Love to hear from you. Love it. Awesome. Thanks for being available to folks. And uh, thank you for uh, really uh, sharing a ton of wisdom with us today, Whitney. We really 
appreciate it. I'm thankful that you came on. And um, everybody, until next time on the Inspiration Accelerator, I'm Michael, and we will see you next week. Have a phenomenal, phenomenal week. Take care, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode. Please look out for a new episode with a new guest every week. This was the Inspiration Accelerator with Michael Sonberg.